Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and if you're brand new to this show, this show is all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering, where we talk about, or when I say we, more like I, unless, you know, referring to my split personality type, uh, where I talk about a little-known card game called Magic the Gathering, and we discuss various cards uh news and what's happenings and sometimes once in a while i like to bring on a guest whether that's a pro player content creator cosplayer and much much more or a buddy of mine to talk and shoot the breeze about whatever and we go on from there so before we begin uh let's get some ads out of the way i guess um magic wazubi can be found on the following itunes google play stitcher and TuneIn radio we're on facebook.com slash magic on twitter at magic wazubi on instagram at magic underscore with underscore zuby i can be reached at mtgzuby at gmail.com if you want to go and support the show in any way possible uh, you can look at patreon.com slash magic as well any help and support is appreciated and then we are also sponsored by manatraders.com if you are tired of buying decks on magic online and want to just rent them for a really cheap price go and look at manatraders.com and use coupon code mtgzuby that's mtgzuby that's mtgzuby on checkout and save 15 percent off or more for the first three months uh definitely check it out it's well worth your while and we're also sponsored by legitmtg.com they have been with this podcast since episode 16 i think been over 100 episodes Oh my god, I can't believe they still put up with me. Um, Thank you to those guys, though. And we're also... I'm in the midst of setting up a Guilds of Ravnica bundle giveaway. So hopefully by the time this episode airs, it'll be in the show notes. I'm really trying to get it all set up and squared away. It is going to be open to anybody worldwide. It's going to be a Guilds of Ravnica bundle giveaway. And I'll probably finish the contest on probably the release date of... Uh, Guilds of Ravnica, which I think is October 5th, right? I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But anyways, uh, let's just get on with the show here. All right. Man, I wish there were others who liked retro video games like me. Did I hear someone say retro video games? I heard it too, Matt. Well... If you're a fan of retro video games as well as gaming in general, you need to listen to the VCR Gaming Podcast. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Oh god, my house! Hey everybody, um, so how's it going? It's... as I'm recording this, I'm not well. I'm not well at all. And if you follow me on Twitter and seen what I've posted, you'll see once again, I am in the same situation that I talked about, I think two episodes ago. So, and what that situation is, just to elaborate a little bit here, just kind of moving my mic a little bit, apologize about that. Um, So, as I've mentioned before on the show, my oldest daughter has issues with mental illness and it's been one of the hardest things that I've had to deal with as a parent and it's I mean it's something that I do not wish on anybody has to deal with it or anything like that and you know it I mean I I don't know I'm sort of at a loss for words as to what's going on here and 
I feel like I've almost become numb to it at this point. So this is the fourth time this year that we've had to Baker Act my oldest daughter. And I don't want to get into details and specifics of what she did, you know, and just know that right now, as of this recording, it's Tuesday night on 9-11. As of this recording, she is in a mental facility. She's in a hospital um, getting the help she needs. And we are hoping and I also said something on Twitter that we're seeking long-term care and we are at this point because we feel and she's she's getting help we are doing what we can within our power of getting help um, you know when she's not being Baker acted essentially I mean like I said this is the fourth time we're having to do it and it just feels like it feels like we're in this cyclical cycle and cyclical cycle. I know it's very redundant. Uh, we're in this cycle where she will come back, be fine. And then all of a sudden, boom, she'll try to, you know, commit suicide again. And we're just, you know, and I understand a lot of it isn't my fault as a parent, nor is it my, my wife's fault or anything, but you can't help but feel it's your fault that you're doing something wrong. I 100% understand it's an illness and a lot of the times people that are suicidal like that can't control themselves and I get that. I understand that but it doesn't make it any easier. It's it's something that you know a, a lot of times I, I just don't know how to react to it and especially this last time that, that it happened you know, just yesterday, it's just, I, I've, I become numb to it almost where, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm hurt. I don't want to be going through this, but you know, I have no choice right now. I ha I have to do what I have to do. I have to stay strong. I have to, I mean, I, I, I just have to keep going, you know? I, I have to do what's good for my family and I have to persevere through this and it's <laughs> I was not I was not expecting any of this you know having kids you know I was thinking at this point when she was 15 I'm gonna have to be dealing with her dating boys or girls or whoever and you know taking her to dates or taking her to you know, after school events or sleepovers and stuff like that. But I mean, obviously, you know, that's not happening now. And as I said before, we're seeking long-term care for her because my wife and I were talking and we, we just can't do this. We don't want to wake up to a dead child and we're afraid. We are so afraid at this point that and this is the fourth time that she has tried to kill herself and we are so afraid that she's going to come back home and everything will be fine for a while they'll put her on new meds whatever they're working for however long and then one day she's just going to succeed and committing suicide and that's that's why we want to send her away somewhere to where she can be under 24-7 supervision and you know, eh. 
and my wife and I were saying we would rather not have her with us in this house and be safe and alive somewhere than her be home and then wake up and she's gone and we we just don't want that and we also have to think about my my youngest daughter too now and, and that's where it gets even scarier because i mean obviously my youngest is being extremely affected by this and we're going to be seeking some help for her and i mean we're going to do what we can for her we're going to at least get into it early because we don't want her starting to go and go through some of the same stuff and the one thing and you know and my oldest has never shown any signs of her trying to hurt others and that that has always been one of my fears like okay she's trying to hurt herself but what if she hurts others or something especially my youngest you know of course that's run through my mind and you know like so my oldest doesn't have a mean bone in her body she is (laughs) the nicest sweetest girl you can ever imagine all right she's never mean she's a completely respectful and to everyone super nice she will take the shirt off her back to help you i mean obviously she has that teenage attitude i mean what teenager doesn't but um (laughs) that put aside it's you know i mean i i don't know i don't know but i just wanted to put that out there because i know i know these past few weeks you know with me taking a break even having that depression and burnout episode and it's all been related to this it this has been going on since the beginning of this year since about february i think that we've been dealing with this and it's at first i thought i could just keep it in not have it affect the show and just keep going on and for a while that worked and now it's like you know i'm just gonna get this out in the open you know i mean I, I honestly don't know how many people actually listen to this show. I knew I know I do have listeners and I do get some nice emails from people and I I appreciate it a hundred percent. But going through something like this, I mean it and I've said this before, it's bad enough when I suffer from depression and bipolar where it's just I get so low and then having to deal with this on top of it, you know. I'm trying to stay busy. I'm trying to stay active, you know, not trying to let this stop me. And like I said, we're going to be doing everything in our power to help her. And, you know, all I've got to say about this whole freaking process is health insurance sucks. All right. The health insurance company is and the whole health insurance scheme itself is fucking terrible but you know i don't want this whole episode to be about health insurance or anything like that because everybody knows that american health care sucks ass and this is just proving it you know you'd think and I, I i'll just say this about health insurance all right and how fucked up the american health care system is you'd think with you as an individual succeeding and rising up in you know the corporate ladder and making x amount of money that you know and you have what they consider really good health care you'd think that 
you know, healthcare would be there to help you out when you need it. No, that's not the case. And what every single doctor and even social worker that we have been working with has told us, if you were basically poor, if you basically made, I mean, I don't know how much, like if you only made basically nothing, like almost minimum wage money, the state would be able to help you out free, no problem. And I'm, and I'm not trying to say that we're strapped with finances or anything like that. I'm, I'm not trying to beg for money or anything like that, but it just goes to show that, you know, it sucks that the more successful you are, the less help you're going to get from, you know, the thing that you thought would be there to help you out. Insurances, one of them, I thought you'd think paying for such, you know, really good health care is going to help you out. But no, they do the bare minimum and even then they fight you on it. And it's like, and that's where I get really jealous and, you know, about non-U.S. healthcare systems where, you know, where they have nationalized healthcare and they just don't have to worry about it, right? You just go and get the help you need. Nope, not here. And, you know, not to try to get political, I, I, I do like the privatized healthcare for other certain things. And then, you know, then you look at nationalized and there, there is the good and bad of it. But right now, all I can see is good from it. And just, okay, I, I don't want to, I don't want to get into healthcare and all that, but that, I mean, that's, that's another big pain point right now is just fucking health insurance. Just, you'd think they're there to help you, but no, they're there to basically get you in there, get the minimum amount of help and send you on their way and you're fucking stuck. So that's kind of what's been going on in my personal life right now. And it's not been easy. Um, you know, I actually did go and play some magic, uh, this past weekend, went to F and M and drafted. What did we draft? Um, we drafted, oh my gosh, why, why am I forgetting what we drafted? It was, oh, it was Kanza Tarkir. That's right. That's right. Because I've, I've drafted quite a bunch the past few weekends, actually. Um, drafted Kanza Tarkir, Conspiracy 2, and then we did an Avacyn Restore draft, which I think I talked about. If not, I think I wrote a little article about it, or did I? No, I may have deleted that article. Um. But yeah, drafted triple cons and it was a lot of fun and I didn't get any like good money cards or anything like that, but built a pretty sweet Mardu deck on um, my pack one pick one was Mardu Ascendancy, which I know is not the greatest rare or anything like that, but I picked it to try to be cheeky. And of course, one of my other picks, I think it may have been pack two, pack three. I finally got a Ponyback Brigade and Oh, I was so excited about it. I was so excited to. There was one game I just went freaking ham on on my opponent where, you know, I was just doing tempo, turn two drop, turn three, play Mardu Ascendancy, then turn four. I, I think I played Ponyback Brigade face down, you know, then flip up Ponyback Brigade. Brigade. Next turn, swing, get two more goblins swinging and attacking. And oh man, it was just so freaking sweet loved it and i mean i didn't i didn't win or anything i only went one two and then i dropped because i'm like yeah whatever 
and didn't really care. But no, I was I have been playing quite a bit of Commander too, and I know I've done videos on this before on Crewfix. My God, I have to say, I really think you know out of all the Commander decks I have because I am working on that 32 color challenge, and I'm up to what am I up to? I just finished my mono blue one, and I have mono white, but I'm sort of tweaking them a little bit right now. And I'm up to 12 decks, I want to say. I have all five mono colors, and I've got a few of the guilds. I have two two of the wedges or shards. Um, I'd, I'd have to look it up right now. I don't remember. But, um, so I was playing Crewfix, obviously, and I was up against, um, Oh god, what's the blue-white one? It wasn't Grand Arbiter, it was King Brago, I want to say. And then up against Dorn, Big Butts. And the King Brago is more of a control deck than anything, but I managed to get a Moss Warp Bridge down and get a Planar Bridge to hide away underneath it. And then, you know, I get Crewfix out, and then I get... They let a Void Winnerer survive the entire time and every time they would try to kill it I'd block it or you know counter it obviously or get rid of it and then and then they also let me get a seedborn muse out and they weren't stopping it I'm just like oh my gosh you guys are done so I get my planar bridge out and what's the first thing I get you may think omniscience but you're wrong so the Dorn player was getting pretty out of control and Brago was just getting out so many freaking clone creatures and all that so i got planar bridge out and got ugin out with planar bridge and then when it came to my turn i just wiped the board um i, I made sure to keep seedboard muse and crew fix at least and then i just kept and then next i got out to fairy uh the the creature not the planeswalker then i got out uh you know omniscience uh, Ristic studies and just was controlling the game like insane and it was fun for me it was not fun for the other guys i will admit that it's they they let me i mean once they pretty much let that planar bridge come out it was like it's over i'm just gonna keep getting what i want and you guys aren't gonna stop me because i had so many counter spells in hand too and so many board wipes so that was fun and oh oh that that saturday night when i played edh with crewfix i did modern and i went oh my gosh what was it I think I went 2-1 and then I dropped. I'm pretty sure I did. I think I did because I beat Affinity and... Oh, what's that other one? I beat Merfolk uh, with Grixis Delver, obviously. It's the only modern deck I have right now. I, I'm almost thinking about building Bant or uh, Naya Zoo because it looks fun. I've got all the cards and everything. I, I may have to buy some of the really cheap ones, but I don't know. I'm just... I've been. I feel like I've been kind of getting out of the constructed scene in terms of modern and standard. I mean, I know I'm going to be playing standard come Guilds of Ravnica coming out, probably more budget decks than anything. But I'm just. I'm definitely feeling EDH more and limited. I've been loving the hell out of limited. I I finally went on Magic Arena for which I haven't been on it in forever and did a quick draft of M19. And I don't remember what the hell I drafted. Oh, I drafted a red, white, you know, aggro burn deck type thing and got five wins out of it and then lost three times. And Jesus, the, all the games that I lost, they were just two of them were miserable control decks and the other one was another aggro deck. And since he went first, he was outpacing me and I just couldn't keep up and I wasn't drawing what I needed. And of course, you know, I love it. 
I love that program. I mean, I love magic in general where it's like you're really behind and you need to draw something good and you draw land for six turns in a row. You're just like, oh, what the hell? Um, so yeah, that's been pretty much the magic I've been I've been playing. Um, I finished building up my mono blue Psy uh, Master Thopterus deck. I will do a deck tech video, a separate one on it. I'm, I, I think I want to kind of get away with doing deck techs on the podcast and do separate videos for them on the YouTube channel, but I'm not going to go crazy on doing deck techs. I'm going to do them when I feel like it. Um, but I, I sort of, I'm trying to think of some new things I want to do with the podcast and it's, I'm going to give them a shot and if people like them, Hey, cool. If not, Hey, cool. I'm going to do it anyway. Cause it's my show and I want to experiment. All right. We're 128 episodes into this and I still don't know what I'm doing as you can obviously tell. So the next topic I want to talk about is actually some MTG finance. Now I'm no finance guru, but I really want to talk about this because it was a little bit of a subject we talk about at the LGS here and I have some thoughts on it. All right. So like I said, I wanted to talk a little bit about MTG finance. It was just something that was sort of brought up uh, at our LGS and it, it kind of got me really thinking that, um, you know, I was playing modern, as I said before, playing Grixis Delver, the one deck I love. It's the only modern deck I have right now. It's the one deck I've been playing forever. And just really going over the cards in my deck and just realizing how expensive everything's getting. Um, engineered Explosives, for for an example. I've got the Modern Masters version of Engineered Explosives, and I couldn't believe that that card is now almost $100, if not $100 right now, that printing of it is almost a hundred dollars when i first bought it it was less than 20 bucks i think like three years ago something like that and i think it's been three years now since i've bought it and just looking at snapcasters you know snapcasters gone up as high as you know 90 dollars back down to 50 to 60 which is what i remember him at and so we were talking about a whole bunch of modern staples like Tarmogoyf has gone way down. Remember when Tarmogoyf was $200 each? Now, I mean, hell, hold on. I'm going to look this up right now. How much is Tarmogoyf? Last I saw him, he was like $60 or something. And I get it. Tarmogoyf has really been pushed out of the format. Um, oh, it's Tarmogoyf. Yeah, not Tarma. Tarmogoyf. Ugh. Yeah, he's like $60 now. Like I said, do you remember, was it a year ago, two years ago, when he was $200 a pop, a piece? Dude, that was insane. I mean, like I said, I know Fatal Push has really pushed down the power of Tarmogoyf, and there's just been other better creatures and decks to play, not so much Jun. But just really going back to the prices of just how expensive Modern has gotten. Hell, even, even how expensive standard is still i mean we are not at cons to battle for zendikar prices where decks were a thousand dollars and standard no and i've talked about that before but i guess i was just really thinking where wizards is pushing new players really hard to join the game maybe start playing standard you know dip into limited get into commander you know whatever whatever the new player formats are standard booster draft sealed uh commander and then you're looking at the other and when you really look at it especially in my area modern is definitely played way more than standard but i do understand standard is the the main format that wizards wants to focus and push on and that's you know perfectly fine i'm, I'm not i'm not here to debate which format's better but just just the 
absurdity of the prices and how expensive the game as a whole has become and it's i don't understand how a new player coming in here really enjoying the cards you know get maybe gets a deck builders toolkit or some pre-con deck and then starts looking at the prices of the of these cards and just goes what the hell now i can remember thinking the same thing back when i joined again uh during ravnica kamigawa and just really wanting to build some decks and looking at some of the prices back then and like i don't want to spend five or ten bucks on a certain card i don't even remember what card it was but i'm just like no that's dumb it's stupid i just want to i basically wanted to just buy some booster packs and build whatever i got out of it i mean in what how i feel a lot of new players probably feel as well until they just realize oh buying singles is better and it's cheaper in the long run because you'll get what you want and that's totally understandable but then I start thinking about the accessibility of the game as a whole. Now, Magic is not that Magic is not an accessible game. It is very accessible. You can show up to an LGS, pay $10 to $15 for a booster draft, and play on the same equal playing field as everyone else. But if you want to get into Constructed, that's where you're going to have to start laying down some serious money. And that is where content creators shine, where they make these awesome budget decks, right? They make some really awesome budget decks for anywhere from $20 to $80 to even less, even $5 to $10, whether it's standard, modern, popper, you name it, what have you, you know? And that, and that's a good thing, right? I'm not discounting that, but it's, it's getting to a point where I just don't understand how they're going to keep new player blood in, and that's where I see Magic Arena really succeeding because it's playing off that Hearthstone formula. Say what you will about Hearthstone. Yes, Hearthstone, to be really competitive, is very expensive. But Hearthstone, as a casual player, I'm, I'm a casual player of Hearthstone, right? My wife and I like to play, and then I, I love the single-player content they release with every new expansion, especially that new Puzzle Lab. I fucking love the Puzzle Lab. And you know what? I can see them doing the same exact thing in Magic Arena. I mean, we've seen that already with them trying to do Popper and Momir in Magic Arena, and I'm sure that'll be there'll be new stuff coming out. And I can see them really following that Magic Arena for or that Hearthstone formula for Arena, and then them also putting in booster codes and Guilds of Ravnica or whatever set they decide to start doing it, and where you can start you know getting booster packs in magic arena or what have you so it's going back to getting priced out of it now i'm not complaining that cards shouldn't be expensive i love that my cards are gaining value like the amount of money that i spent on the grixis delver deck you know i could go and sell my grixis delver deck right now and get my money back probably twofold at this point for everything that I spent on it. You know, I'm, I'm not discounting that. I love that I have valuable cards. I love that if I were to sell my entire collection, I'd probably make pretty decent money with it. Now, I know I wouldn't get what it's worth. I'd probably get maybe a little bit more than half of that. But, you know, that makes me feel good because if I were to run into an emergency situation where I needed some a lot of funds really quickly, I could work on selling out my collection, and I'm happy about that. So 
this is not one of those, oh, I don't want cards to be expensive or anything. It's just, and I understand that magic is a luxury hobby, right? It just feels really bad that it, when I try to get someone new into the game, when I tell them how much a competitive deck costs, they look at me and they're like, why would I even spend that much money? So let's say the top tier standard deck right now, I, I don't even know what the prices are for top tier standard deck. So just going off the top of my head is $200, right? Top tier standard deck is $200 right now. And you're lucky if that remains top tier for three months because every three months a new set comes out and depending on that new set it may completely change the dynamic of standard so you just wasted two hundred dollars on playing you know this tier one deck and then three months later boom that that deck sucks now and you're going to try to sell it off for what you can and hopefully you make half of that money back you know and then you try to win some store credit or do some trades and get the cards you want or shell out the money. I understand this is a trading card game, right? I'm not discounting that. But you try to explain that to a new person and they're like, why would I spend that much money on this? It's sort of like, oh, you feel kind of crazy that you spent this much money on a game. And you're. it feels normal to you because you get so much product anyway, you know, especially if you know, me, I'm an enfranchised player. I, I have so much product, I don't know what to do with it sometimes. Um, you know, so it's normal for me to have so many cards and pretty much have all of the standard cards available to me. But for, you know, little Timmy or little Johnny, they may, you know, they're not going to have that or anything. And then you have to tell them, oh, hey, you know, spend $200 in the Challenger decks were a wonderful start to helping you out here now with guilds of ravnica right around the corner those challenger decks are useless now they're not even a good base because more than a lot of those cards were kaladesh through hour of devastation cards you know there were some ixalan stuff in there but not enough to even build a competent deck if i remember the deck list correctly so it's i mean one wizards needs to release new challenger decks and wizards i don't know how do you fix the player or how do you fix the issue of new player acquisition where it gets so expensive where it does scare off a lot of people and you know is there i don't know i i guess i don't really have an answer to anything it was just something i wanted to bring up and you know some of the people were asking like well do you want you know cards to be super cheap for everybody do you not want your snapcaster mage to be 50 60 bucks do you like it would you rather it be five dollars in a sense i mean it would suck that i'd lose a lot of my value of cards but you know i look at i was trying to build grix's delver for legacy i've been trying to build it for a couple years now and i got all the pieces except the dual lands and then was it this year or late last year when the dual lands just started skyrocketing like insane i just took a step back i'm like nope i'm done i have legacy elves but i took that apart because i'm bored of elves and i just don't see myself playing legacy i love legacy as a format legacy is so much fun but that format is completely priced out for me not that i can't afford the cards it's just i'm not going to spend almost a grand on a single card because i need an underground sea or a tropical island yeah granted a near mint tropical island or i mean underground sea is going to be eight nine hundred bucks i could get a heavily played damage one but you know i don't want to get some shitty looking card or anything 
it's just it doesn't feel good you know what i mean it's it doesn't feel fun having to drop that much money on a card where it's like oh i may get to play this a couple times a year and I don't know. I don't really have an answer for any of this. It was just a little interesting thing. What are some of your thoughts? You know, do you feel that maybe Wizards needs to do something better for new player, you know, getting in new players and making it more affordable? I mean, the challenger decks were a great start, but we don't hear anything of what they're trying to do for the next set of challenger decks. Are there going to be any more coming out this year or are we going to have to wait till next year? And that's a long time to wait because Guilds of Ravnica looks is so far looking to be a really good exciting set and I really don't want to wait that long for new challenger decks I I, I don't know I don't, like I said what are your thoughts on it let me know um, send me an email or shoot me a comment down below and um, yeah so next we are going to get into some of the magic storyline I, I finally got caught up in magic dominaria here uh, I, I've been not really been keeping up with the story because it's just not interesting me that much and with them announcing that they're going to finally release a Ravnica novel coming out next year I'm like okay I need to catch up with the magic storyline here and like I said I was halfway through Dominaria and I finally finished that and just wanted to give some of my thoughts on it here so Dominaria we come on Dominaria and it's all about you know Joyra getting the weather light back and they need they're gonna go defeat bells in law because liliana wants to complete her you know destroy her contract and gideon is there helping her then you know chandra or no nissa leaves suddenly and then chandra tries to follow after her and then you know we got that whole thing going on there so i'm not going to really get into the storyline specifics of it i just wanted to really go into some of my thoughts about it um it was very interesting that they got an actual novelist and not actual author writing this story compared to just their internal team, which I will say, and I've said this before, the Ixalan storyline, I really, really, really liked. I really loved all the storyline concerning Jason Vraska. I fucking love those two. All right. And all the other characters like um, Huatli and Angrath and whoever the hell else. I did not give two craps about. What the hell? There's some car just dri driving down my road. I mean, you can probably hear that just honking the horn as he's driving. What is he doing? Now, I'm trying to record here. Yeah, I could very well edit this out, but fuck that shit. All right. Not going to let that car ruin this. Okay, so like I said, love the parts with Jason Vraska. Anything else was just kind of crap. The one of the biggest things that I and I've complained about this before with their internal team whenever they write these stories, it not only reads like sometimes fan fiction, but the the changing of the perspectives was really always confusing to me from first person to third person and then um the different styles of writing just always threw me off as well too it's really hard to go back and read some of the older stories because the the level of writing was just not there all the time excuse me um so we get on dominaria here and like i said it's being written by an actual you know author who's written a lot of books i'd have to look up what she's written i don't remember off the top of my head and right away the quality is like 10 times better even though i did really enjoy the jace Vraska storyline 
it it felt like it read like almost like a fan fiction type thing like the 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 quality of writing wasn't the greatest but since i liked the characters the way they wrote the characters was interesting enough to keep me you know keeping me interested in interested in it keeping me reading it but the way that Dominaria was wrote felt more like i'm reading a book but i will say this and this is what i feel that a lot of the story suffers from when you put it on online like this at one chapter at a time it doesn't even feel like a full chapter of a book it doesn't even feel like a full story a lot of times and this is what i like to call a synopsis syndrome of what magic the gathering has a problem of it feels like you're reading a synopsis of a story like each chapter feels like a synopsis of what happened because good example um just something that i remember they talk about in the final chapter of the dominary storyline that you know uh gideon and chandra are trying to look for the black blade or yeah, I think that's right. The Black Blade to be able to kill Bells and Lock, right? So they don't even they don't even mention how they got the blade or anything. It it sort of shows them like, hey, they're running for the blade, looking for it. Then it skips over back to the Weatherlight crew doing something, and then when it comes back to Gideon and Chandra, it's like, oh, well, they got the blade already. Well, okay, how did did was it hard to get the blade? Oh, they just got it. Okay, cool. Now, is that really an important detail in the grand scheme of things? No. But if this was an actual story or novel, there probably would have been at least maybe a page dedicated to how they got the blade. Maybe there was someone who stopped them from getting the blade and they had to fight them or something. Or maybe there was a trap, you know, spitballing here. But it was just sort of like, oh, they got the blade. Like, oh, okay, no big deal. You know, they just had to break into this fortress or whatever. Um... And then the whole, even the whole fight against Bells and Lock felt like it, it just felt so rushed. Like, and I know, and I know they don't have a lot of time of writing these chapters, right? I, I get that. I understand that. And that's why it definitely feels like a synopsis every time you're reading. But I wouldn't even mind. I, I would love for them to go back to full length novels. And I wouldn't even mind if we had to wait for that, you know, for people who really dig the storylines, you know, when a new set comes out, maybe have maybe actually have a real synopsis of what happens. And then, boom, the book comes out a year later. I I'd be down for that. I would gladly give up the weekly releases of storylines that, to be frank, they're not even that great. All right. The hell, I even read some of the new Vivian, uh, whatever her name is. A chapter, some chapter one, and it was, it was unbearable the way it was written. It's like, oh dear God, stop! I mean, it, it almost kind of reminded me of, you know, I mean, the writing wasn't this bad, but it was almost like Twilight level, Twilight level bad, and I couldn't stomach reading Twilight. I got like a few chapters, and I'm like, this is so badly written, I can't, I can't do this. Um, but. Yeah, one of the things about it was story overall was okay, but felt very rushed. Um, you know, we've, we've heard the complaints about the lack of characterization of Jason and Johnny, and it's really hard to pass judgment whether they've completely gotten rid of their characterization, especially with Jace, because of how much he changed and grew in Ixalan. I'm hoping that changes come Guilds of Ravnica. And I will say the story 
did set a lot of good groundwork for Guilds of Ravnica and gets us prepared for that because I am excited to read that. I do need to go and read the M19 about the backstory of Nicol Bolas, but you know, I'm, I, I will read it, but I'm not going to force myself to read it if I don't feel like it. So th- those are just some of my thoughts on the novel or not the novel, the um, Dominaria storyline at least. And just sort of some of my thoughts on the magic story in general, where I feel, I feel like there's potential there, but they need to stop doing these weekly releases because it's doing, I feel like it's doing more harm than good because it just doesn't feel fleshed out. I don't, I don't really care what happens to these characters, you know, outside of maybe a few like Jason, Gideon and Chandra, maybe out of that. I don't really care about what happens to anyone else, you know, just, just, I, I guess outside of the immediate gate watch, I don't really care what happens, but you know, it's, I don't, what are some of your thoughts? You know, let me, let me know what some of your thoughts are and I'd love to hear it because right now I feel like them doing a novel is a very good step in the right direction. They need to stop doing the weekly stories because they're just, a lot of times they're not good and them changing the authors so much and and it does more harm than good. At least we're getting away from the internal Watsy team writing the story because with the exception of Allison Lurs, everyone else was absolutely terrible. I'm I don't care. I don't, I don't care about saying that. Everyone else was bad except Allison. Allison was the only person there that could actually write a decent story. And that's probably why I enjoyed Ixalan so much outside of Jace Vraska. Um Oh, wait, no, no, I mean, I mean the other way around. I loved Ixalan mainly for Jace Frost. Everything else I didn't give a crap about. So, I guess that's an episode. Um, yeah, so once again, if you want to find Magic Gazoobie, it can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn Radio. Uh, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash Check it out. Sort of revamped it a little bit. You know, it, it's not necessary to, you know, donate or anything. But anything you do is very welcome and i appreciate it uh we're on facebook.com slash magic on twitter at magic on instagram at magic underscore with underscore zuby uh you can email me at mtgzuby at gmail.com where i think i already mentioned itunes google play and yeah that's it uh, oh check out my website magicazuby.com it's i am i do have some other articles you know that i want to release mainly like dnd related and stuff like that and be sure to check out my youtube channel too because i'm going to start doing deck techs on there as well and other stuff like that so have a good night everybody